Well, thank you. I want to thank uh, Mary Ann for asking me to tell my story. It's an honor to do so. Mark, thanks for sharing. Sally, thanks for reading the steps. Laura, the traditions. And to hear all those voices on the serenity prayer, uh, it just makes me comfortable so often, and especially tonight. And I, I want to welcome the newcomers. Um, I hope I was, I, I got it right that it's Jerome, and I know Larry. So welcome, you all uh, are, are the reason I'm here. Uh, you and of course everyone that's listening that um, was a newcomer at one time, but. You know, the way I was uh, brought up in the program um, is I was told the newcomer's the most important person in the room. And I have prayed for humility because I have a lot of ego um, that is still with me. So just trying to let go of that as much as possible. I was also uh, taught in the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous where I really began my recovery, um, I was taught to say yes when asked to do service. And um, so uh, I said yes, and I'm so glad I did. I'll get a lot more out of this, I'm sure, than anyone else will. Um, I did when I was, um, well, I, I wrote down some years in Either 1984 or 1985, I went to a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. And the reason I did that was I was pregnant and I could not stop smoking marijuana. And I, I didn't, I wasn't drinking at the time. You know, all of the, in the doctor's offices, the, um, you know, all the doctor's offices said that alcohol could be harmful to a fetus. So, you know, that was one experience that I used for the fact that I could not stop smoking marijuana. You know, I think for many women, uh, we always say, well, we'll stop when we get pregnant. And that was certainly my plan. And uh, it was certainly my guilt and my fear and my unmanageability that I couldn't, I couldn't stop. I couldn't do that. And um, that's why the chapter in our basic text, Life with Hope, I, I believe the name of the chapter is Mommy Was Doing Drugs. And it was so wonderful for me to find that chapter. And it always, um, you know, the, the hearing that some other women have had that experience, um, it, it gives me comfort. Uh, I have to admit, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, when I was in my teen years, I was trying everything from household cleaning products to uh, overdosing dosing on motion sickness pills. Um, I don't know why exactly I was so unhappy and looking for any way to uh, get out of my own skin. Uh, my parents, who were married until the day my mother died, um, so I would say over 50 years, but it just seemed like they were never happy and were at each other's throats and, um, and, and didn't really know 
how to raise children. And anybody else have that story? Uh, I'm sure that um, that those of my generation, and I'm 64, I'll be 65 this year, um, have that. And, and hopefully we're doing a little bit better as each generation uh, goes by. But um, I, I was an unhappy camper. I um, was got into a relationship with a fellow who um, marijuana was not his drug of choice because he had been arrested and he knew that you couldn't get rid of marijuana quickly, whereas LSD or any kind of pill, and I did a lot of them with him, um, you know, my relationships, I think, play a large part of my drug history. At any rate, um, that, that fellow was abusive, uh, but I, I have no regrets. I think he taught me a lot. Um, he was physically but much more verbally abusive, and I guess that fit right in with where I was at at that point in my life. So I'm at this point 16, and he's 21, and um, so uh, he, you know, he was as I say, into uh, taking pills, um, and I did that until I broke up with him. Um, he kind of coached me into law school. So I started law school, and um, I met my, my husband. I've been married for 38 years now, and we were both sick puppies, as they say, when we met. Um, and even, I guess, more so perhaps when we married because, you know, a, a bit of the um, infatuation and whatnot uh, was gone shortly after we married. But we met in law school. We dated for five years. And, um, you know, his, his drug of choice, which quickly became mine, was marijuana. And... Um, at least I thought that was his drug of choice. And, I, you know, I, gotta, I just got to throw this in because it is a, a part of my story. He was a great aphrodisiac, you know, for me. And I thought for him, but not long after we were married, he really lost interest. He has worked 12, different 12-step 12 programs in his uh, lifetime and um, has different addictions from mine. At any rate, uh, the, the way I really knew about my powerlessness and my unmanageability was when, um, as I said, when I became pregnant and um, just was unable to, to stop uh, smoking. So tried that, um, that AA meeting, just could not relate at that time to AA. And um, so I just went on being powerless, guilty, fearful of what I was doing to my unborn child and, um, and, and continuing to smoke. And when my daughter was about a year old, so now we're in 1986, and um, I had my moment of clarity when she pulled herself up across from me. I was sitting on a couch. There was a coffee table in front of me with a lot of uh, drug paraphernalia, marijuana paraphernalia, and she pulled herself up uh, learning to, you know, to try and stand up and to walk. And I just had my moment of clarity and said, I cannot 
keep doing this. Found my way to the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous, and, um, you know, there were addicts. I, I think that made a difference to me that, I mean, some people were heroin addicts. Some people um, were, you know, uh, pill addicts. Um, some people were alcoholics there, but they more identified as addicts than um, alcoholics. And so I found my home. I got clean and sober. I got a sponsor. Um, was actually when I went to pick up my 30-day chip before my before getting a sponsor. But um, I mentioned that I had been to a wedding and had had a glass of champagne, and um, I, I got up to get my 30-day chip drug-free. And the uh, wise older gentleman that was giving out chips said, "No, you don't get a chip because." You identify as an addict and alcohol is a drug. So, you know, I sat back down and uh, was not happy about that. Um, At any rate, I did come to believe that that group could lead me to, to a higher power, to a way to not continue using what, to me was everything. I I remember writing at that time in very early sobriety that um, I just didn't know what I would do. Life looked like a void without marijuana. I was very afraid, although it definitely made me paranoid and you know, all the the downside, it was very much illegal at that time in New Orleans, which is where I was born and raised. But at any rate, I I came to believe with this group of people that there was a life beyond marijuana, that I could, you know, for my daughter and um, and myself, but I have to admit that it was really had I not had my daughter, I don't know that I ever would have found my way to, um, to you know, being clean and so- sober. The God thing really challenged me. You know, I had uh, been raised in the Catholic faith, and um, it was just a hollow experience. You know, when they said, uh, hallowed be thy name, I was like, yeah, I, I can relate to that because it's really a hollow experience for me. and. Um, so I just so I, I listened to people that um, that had somehow found a way to stay despite the oft mentioned um, God of our you know quote God of our understanding. I, I still feel that you know that um, a real big part of of my higher power is that I am not capable of understanding it. And so I had to put a lot on a back burner and having a great sponsor and, um, and, and this home, this new home that I had found in the rooms of N.A., um, I, I began to believe that I could um, just put it on a back burner, put my disbelief on a back burner, put my confusion, my lack of understanding just, you know, be patient with that. And so that's what I did. I think around that time, and I don't know if we're like maybe to 1990, 
Um, and I'm, you know, I'm progressing right along in, um, I mean, not not knocking any socks off or, you know, um, making a big splash in my career, but, um, you know, I am, am continuing, I'm, I'm practicing law and moving along like that um, and, and getting better because I'm sober, you know, seeing the difference in putting on this fake um, outer appearance of happiness and functionality, whereas inside I'm extremely happy, uh, unhappy, excuse me, um, you know, while, while I was still using, I was very much unhappy in my marriage with myself, just, you know, um, just wondering when things were going to get better. So um, having found then this home in NA, things started to get a lot better. And um, I started looking at myself and, um, you know, it, it's almost like rather than a lot of insight, it was just seeing that people were not happy or, or didn't seem to have the same opinion of me that I had of myself, which was very defended, um, very, um, well, in my fourth step, I I learned my whole perception of the world was that I was a victim of the world, of people, places, and things. And um, the way I did the fourth step is out of the book of AA. And, um, and, and I did more than one, and, and I think they varied, you know, somewhat. I mean, I, there's this blueprint that you find on line there was there was a blue I think that's actually out of, out of Al-Anon I counted and I worked six 12-step programs to the extent of having a sponsor going through the steps and um, including one that's for couples you know my husband and I have worked uh, recovering couples anonymous sorry for uh, mentioning other programs um, I think we're given a little bit of more leeway in when we're telling our story. And I do say that because, um, well, whatever, I guess I'm, I'm carrying a message there and I, I need to be careful of doing that for any other program. But um, at any rate, the, um, the victim feeling and perception that I had of myself with regard to every people, person, place, and thing in, in the world I feel that was I was only able to share that with myself, you know, as well as my higher power, as well as another person, when I had learned to love myself enough to be able to take the blinders off about some aspects of my personality that, you know, I was already self-absorbed in negativity, uh, negative feelings about myself that there was a lot that I couldn't let myself see. I think now, today, I couldn't let myself see that because there was already so much negativity, so many negative feelings about myself that it's sort of like it would have tipped the scales. And um, so I had to be blindsided to a lot of stuff about myself that I'm today trying to 
uh, change. And I think whenever we go out into the world or more out into the world, um, we come up against those character flaws that, um, you know, that, that happen. So when I was practicing law, I was actually a defense attorney. So all of these defense mechanisms, also called character defects, in, for me, that is true for me, that a lot of my defensiveness is this feeling that I need to defend myself from the world that, um, you know, that can often be out to get me. And I'm really working on telling myself a different story, you know, um, a lot, a lot of the time, a lot of the time that I'm I'm coming up against the edge of my known envelope and trying to push past that um, to grow spiritually a little bit more. And, um, you know, it's progress, not perfection. So, you know, that's about becoming willing, I believe, to, to see those, because the first thing for me is I have to be aware of what needs to be changed in me. Because until it is what it is, it can't change. Until I know what it is, it can't change. So I am in that process of becoming willing, and I believe will be for the rest of my life. It was actually, to some extent, it was comfortable being a defense attorney because, you know, it's about somebody else being wrong and proving myself and, you know, my client, but a lot of that for me went into proving myself right. And um, I, I happen to feel, too, that um, some attorneys I know are some of the best people in the world, so I don't mean to, um, you know, put down that uh, profession, but um, I did retire from that. And I do really believe that it is the 12 steps, that it is uh, this program um, that I have been in since um, I was ordained a minister in 2016. And um, that was something I worked on for, for 15, you know, 15, excuse me, uh, not 15, from 05. I started working on that in, in 05, so 11 years uh, I worked toward that. And um, I, I absolutely feel that came out of my, um, my work in the program and seeking and trying to find a higher power of my own understanding. Um, I think that's something I'll be seeking for the rest of my life, but I certainly am a lot more comfortable. And now I get to share that seeking, seeking with others, um, you know, on Sunday mornings. So that's a real privilege that um, that I am given. And um, the amends list that I worked on after humbly asking, you know, that my, um, my character flaws be removed, um, that's again something that I almost have to be careful of, um, of, you know, apologizing too much. I really believe in living amends. And by the way, part of my story, one of those six programs that I worked, um, got a sponsor, et cetera, uh, was Al-Anon. And, and I mention that because Al-Anons tend to be control freaks. 
So I think a lot of my using, I really try to control it. Um, and, you know, so I, I had a slip on marijuana in 07. And, uh, you know, after getting clean in 86, um, it, it came about uh, totally unexpectedly, but definitely premeditated. I mean, a friend called me. I was working AA at the time. I found my way to the rooms of AA after Katrina. I, I wasn't drinking a lot, but I was drinking enough to scare me on a regular enough basis to scare me because I knew where pot had taken me and and alcohol could possibly take me, I knew, to that same place. Um, so it's like, you know, if I start using and I don't have my drug of choice, there's a good chance that I um, am going to use whatever's in front of me. And um, so I, I, um, I had been working AA since 05, December of 05, and um, when I had a slip in, uh, you know, when I had my pot slip in 07, um, two reasons I think that it didn't go further than that. One, I said I was, I'm a bit of a control freak. And number two, I was working AA. I had an AA sponsor. I told her about it immediately. It's important. I use the word slip because, it, you know, part of what goes on for me when I have a slip as well you know, I've I've relapsed. I might as well keep going for a while and enjoy this while I can. So um, again, in in the in AA, I in this area they they call it slip when um, I basically you know took a couple of tokes. That was all it needed because between '86 and '07, marijuana changed a lot. <laughs> so a couple of tokes and you know, anymore, I might have, I don't know, you know, it was just, it was kind of scary for me how powerful it was. And that was one weekend. And the next weekend, I, I tried it again. And quite fortunately, it didn't have, um, it just, the, the, the allure was off. That's, you know, that's all I need to, to share about that. And so I was given the gift of, um, of that not continuing. And, also the gift of a sponsor that I was honest with. And, you know, and the ego um, uh, deflation of picking up a chip and, you know, starting over again. In by that time, I had about 15 months in AA. So, you know, I had to pick up my chip in front of a room full of people who absolutely loved me, you know, unconditionally, I feel, and supported me um, but still, my ego took a bruising for that. So, um, you know, I, I made uh, my list. I, I will tell you just on the amends part is that um, I, when I made my first amends to my husband, I made amends for, um, for holding him responsible for everything that had gone wrong in our marriage. And I, I then made a second amends to him, and um, I won't go into a lot of detail, but it was, I read his fourth step, you know, I, I came upon it quite accidentally, if you can believe that, and, um, and I, I couldn't stop, though, um, you know, from reading it, had, a, had, a, had a several years in the program by this time, 
at any rate, what I realized, you know, and, and I, I knew about this for quite a long time before I made my honest amends because what I did was I took away his ability to make a ninth step, a proper ninth step amends to me. You know, in other words, I, I violated his privacy by reading his fourth step and therefore the amends that he, um, I'm quite sure, would have gotten to uh, making to me, um, you know, I pretty much screwed that up. So um, I apologized for that. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're still keeping on, keeping on together. And um, I'm happier than I've ever been in my life. I definitely um, continue to look at uh, what needs to be changed to come to these phone meetings every day, pretty much, often more than once a day. They're such a blessing. Um, I found them because in January 15, it was a lot to do with the legalization. I had a powerful craving come back. To the point where I made arrangements to get, you know, from people that just were not in my circle back in the day. In 86, I didn't have friends that, like, you know, were freely talking about. I mean, friends my age that were freely talking about it. A sister who was using it medicinally and would have loved offered me some. So in January of 2015, I was, I was making my plans to secure some and um, get, you know, uh, and, and use marijuana. And um, and one night I had a dream, and it was not a using dream. It didn't have anything to do about marijuana, to tell you the truth. It had to do with, um, you know, with, with some of my other um, um, behaviors or defenses or whatever. And uh, But it scared me enough that I... Um, you know, I got up pretty much in the middle of the night and Googled Marijuana Anonymous and found the phone line and called in and been coming ever since and, um, you know, and continuing to um, to seek through prayer and meditation uh, that conscious contact that, um, you know, I just... I believe it, it really enables me, I mean, the, the steps, you all, really enable me to be authentic in what I do. And um, so, you know, like I say, such a privilege to be able to carry the message. I'm happier now than I've ever been in my life. I think recovery has a lot to do with being a pretty much a sound mind and body. At this point, um, you know, I, I feel good, I'm pain-free, um, and uh, it, it never has to get any better than it is right now in this moment for me to, um, to just say thank you, thank you, thank you uh, for the abundant blessings that my life, uh, that, that, that I experience on a daily basis. So thank you all for listening. And with that, I pass.